lights, camera, box Cinemagic. office. Oh, Cinemagic, got it, got it. Cinemagic. That intro. Cinemagic, Bro, then intro. Cinemagic box music, box office money. Box office summers. Box office, yeah, box office. Box office, box office, box office. Okay, it's not okay. only hot girl summer, it's hot box. It is summer. hot box summer box. in the world. Right? Yeah, all right. I, I, my song, my singing isn't very good today, so I mean it's never very good, and that's how not seriously I take the singing part of it. But it's just not particularly good today. If that makes sense to anybody, so John, let's talk to him. <laughs> I know. So welcome to another great episode of Cinemagic. We're going over Hot Girl Box Office Summer. Um, I think that's a better one to say, right? I don't know. But yeah. as always, <laughs> there's always there's always going to be some punk troll, man. You know, or some spiritual wonders. There's just always trolls everywhere. Oh, uh, I agree. I agree. And what, but trolls like hot, hot girl summers too, or hot box summers. Okay, I'm gonna stop using that. No, no, so no, welcome to the ma in, a, in a matrix, John. <laughs> matrix. So welcome to the Magic Podcast with your greatest host, Rick Acevedo, and myself, Jonathan Guandwag, bringing you another great episode. Woo! Where this time we're going to take another look at the box office for the summer and talk a little more about what's going on with the box office. Mm -hmm. You may remember a previous episode where we kind of did our preview of what we thought movie theaters were going to be and the listings of movie theaters and how that's all going to work. But obviously the world has changed since our last our last one, as it rapidly changes with the idea of entertainment, cinema, media. So we thought this may be a good time. Some movies have been released. We're seeing numbers come in. This is a great time to sit and really just talk about it again and really get our opinions and views and let you know what's kind of happening out there. Yeah. So I don't know about you, Rick, but one of the first questions I want to ask, we start this, have you gone back to a theater yet? Or are you still holding off? Um, I'm, I'm still kind of holding off at the moment. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated and everything, but you know, I'm, I'm still holding off just a little bit longer. I, I think that it's, you know, I mean, it's great that the vaccine rollout has been what it is, but it, you know, it's still not a good idea to sing sweet victory at, right <laughs> now. You know, it's good to sort of be, you know, played a little safe so you know, I haven't, uh, you know, that might change in the next few weeks or the next month, but um, not yet. What about you? Um, uh, I'm actually in the same boat. I have not gone back to the theaters yet. I don't know when. I'm fully vaccinated also, but I think like I said in the previous episode, I'm actually kind of sad that I'm losing some of the features that we had during the pandemic because I love streaming from home and just paying to see movies. I do not mind paying like 30 bucks to see it at home or anything. I'm, I'm kind of sad that some of that's going away to put it right to the box office. So I'm trying to cling on and watch and buy as a hope that they'll just keep releasing them at home. Yeah. Cause I do like my home setup and I like being at home. And I, I am one who has not, I, I love movies. Uh, I love seeing movies with people. 
Uh, I was just watching an episode of uh, Bob's Burgers, and they did a kind of rift on Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it reminded me of, like, I need to go and do one of those. So I love the theater experience. I really do. But I... Uh, I'm not clamoring to go back to the movie theaters right now. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really clamoring. I'm okay. Uh, I can wait to say I'm one who can wait. So yeah, I don't know about you, and I, and this is the next question I'm gonna you, ask you. But is there like a big movie that will definitely just bring you back to the theater that you can say, yep, when this releases, that's it. I'm going back no matter what. That is a great question, and I would love to be able to answer that specifically, but i got to be honest with you, there's nothing really that makes me feel like I need to make that drive. Because mm -hmm. like you, I love being at home. There's very few things that I do um, right now that are unnecessary for me, you know, to leave home, whether I'm visiting family or going horseback riding or doing the things that I do. Um, but I love being at home. So there's nothing that I'm like, man, I really should watch this in the big screen and, 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 and do it, you know, have that big experience. It's almost like I'm sort of relearning what would it take for me to go out there. And, and there's just nothing there for me, man. I'd like, um, I don't know. I don't even even the Fast and Furious uh, Fast Nine. I believe is what it's called. Fast Nine. Fast yep. Fast Nine. I mean, even that. You know, I love cars and everything, but it, you know, even that, I don't know that I'm gonna go out and see in a in a theater. I I really think for me the test was Godzilla versus King Kong because that is a big budget popcorn movie that you're supposed to have. You know, the big screen to see. Um, and really, when I saw that movie at home, I loved it, and I really didn't feel the need that yeah. I missed anything by not being in a big theater. I didn't, I didn't feel that I missed anything. So at that point, I was like, eh, there's nothing really driving me to say that I have to see this on the big screen. I can't see it at home. I'm kind of fine. I'm kind of fine. I, yeah, but I mean, I, I I, I'm, I, and I'm at a point now, too. We bought... Um, a puppy during the pandemic mm. right and he's about like i think it's a year and two months now but he's never been alone um that you know he's a pandemic puppy so he's very famous my kitty exactly pandemic kitty yeah. um yeah. wait uh yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> pandemic pets we bought pandemic, pandemic pets. pets okay yes <laughs> context is key so <laughs> that 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 really that makes me also not want to leave my house to where my dog is alone mm -hmm. you know completely alone um just because he's used to having us around so that's a yep. big part of it for me um and i don't I, know man i just i again it, it's like what you're saying it's like why do i really want to leave my house when i can yeah i can eat a parfait that you know while watching a movie that costs me a lot less in the supermarket than it does in the movies i can also yep. order like a million bucks well maybe not really a million bucks of gobstoppers but you know <laughs> I, I could do all of that and it'll be a lot cheaper than the experience and it's not i'm not downplaying the experience john you know me well enough man we've yep you know but it's 
It's just different now, I think. Yeah, it is different. And it is because it's one of those things of like, okay, I can spend 30 bucks, rent it from Amazon, Google TV or anything, a brand new movie, watch it at home, pause, play, do all that good stuff. I'm kind of now in that already habit of doing it. There's a new movie coming out. I just go, all right, let's see, you know, let's see where you can buy it on BAM. Uh, so, and I love my kitten. She is very, very social creature right now. So when we're in her way, she does cry me out. Uh, so I'm with you. It's hard leaving my pandemic pets to essentially just watch something. Like, you know, that doesn't, that's not like a live comedy show or live theater, yeah. something that doesn't necessitate, you know, me being there at the moment. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to right now go, yeah, this is a necessity. I have to do this. Uh, and I understand getting out your house. I want to get out my house too, but I still, I'm still just not a, I have to go back to the theaters right now. I mean, exactly. Really there's there's best, better things that you can do. And I mean, we will be doing that in a few weeks. Mm. Hint, hint. Um, but again, <laughs> it's a different situation altogether. You know, you know, having to versus, yeah, you know what, man, I really don't have to. And I'm and I'm doing things and I'm taking care of things, you know, um, at home and, and just yeah. having a, a better you know, better quality of life in a lot of ways. I think that the one thing the pandemic has taught everyone now, you know, a, a year plus in, even as we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel, is that you gain appreciation for things that were a lot, always a lot better and a lot healthier for you. For example, I'm going to be going kayaking soon. Uh, I haven't done that mm -hmm. in a while. But I'd rather do that. Go, go mm -hmm. kayaking, go horseback riding. You know, that those are the things that I'd rather do that have a long better long-term benefit for me where oh. i mean you know yeah and and for me if we remember that past episode please take a look back at it we're talking about movie theaters i have a movie theater in my house i got my popcorn machine i got my reclining chairs i got my surround sound my 4k he's got, TV. He's got over seventy-eight thousand different kinds of salt from 80 different parts of the world don't forget my butter. I got different butters from all over the world, too. Yeah, he's got different I got this, butters, yes. I got this nice seaweed butter that I went all the way out to L.A. to get that's only made on the southern coast of France. It is delicious, and I have mixed that with my popcorn already. But <laughs> Dude, the dude, I'm telling you, um, just, and this might be something we talk about in, in a later episode or later date, uh, Jonathan, actually, you know, we shot a pilot... Uh, for a short form series on basically, you know, popcorn and confections. Yes. How much this guy knows about popcorn. So, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the guy. Come come to me. I can tell you what movies pair with what popcorn. I am, uh, <laughs> I am, I'm, 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 I'm a uh, sommelier of popcorn and movies, right? Exactly. <laughs> 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 uh, so, you know, all, so all that gets hard for me, really. And I'm, I, the pandemic made me too used to my home theater setup. Yeah. It made it even more apparent that my home setup is okay and I don't really need to go out. So, exactly. uh, so but, it, you know, it's an interesting take because as movie theaters in the U.S. and around the world, some places not, we're very understandable that COVID is not over. We understand this going forward, okay? Mm -hmm. But we do have places that are opening up movie theaters and we're starting to see box office really change. And so that attitude of whether people feel safe going to the movies or want to go to the movies is really the interesting thing to talk about, especially as filmmakers and, and uh, ho not only Hollywood, but as movie makers and filmmakers are thinking about themselves. Where do we place our movies now? 
Are they better on streaming? Should we do at-home VOD? What's going on? Are people actually going to go back to the theaters? Don't get me wrong, movies do probably make a lot of money still being in theaters. Uh, I think the Godzilla versus King Kong, how much did that make? Even though it was a lot of viewership, it drove HBO Max, it still made $432 million worldwide. You know, like that's still a lot and the, of And the thing with that though is this, um, you know, there's not a real solid metric on, on seeing what a film did on streaming. It's a lot of times very difficult to do to to, re, to to get a read on that because those are those are numbers that um, you know your Amazons your Apple TVs your Netflix they're not going to release they have no need to people and, aren't and looking way, at that and, and by the way that's not only to the general public you'll hear that also from like filmmakers and producers too that for to, their own shows they don't know their numbers to they be fair to be fair we've had stuff on streaming. Mm-hmm. We don't often know what our num. We never know what our numbers are. We know what the financial bottom line is going to be, mm-hmm. what we're going to get paid, but we don't know what what that pay is based on. We know mm-hmm. basic numbers, and if it's something that's, you know, um, uh, you know, with with advertising, for example. We know that we get half that revenue. So if we make X amount of dollars, we know that the you know an exact half of that, or not an exact half, but an, that same exact amount also went to to um, the uh, the streaming service. Mm-hmm. That's usually the way that they work it out. But they're not going to tell us, hey, you got X amount of views, yep. because it's not it's you know it's not really something that's. I mean, it's relevant. Obviously, mm-hmm. and if you're if you're breaking records, viewing records, and, and everything like that, then maybe. But this isn't, you know, something that that people really, unless their agreement is completely different or they have a different kind of in, it's not something that really you're going to know about. So, if a film say made 145 million dollars in the box office, but you know against a 200 million dollar budget, you're not going to know if it was a success or a failure because. If they were streaming at the same time as they were doing box office, you're only seeing box office numbers. So it's yep. not like, for example, Wonder Woman 1984. I think yep. it made $150 million in the box office. But you can't say it made more or less or whatever on streaming. Like, how did the streaming make up for the deficit in the uh, return on, mm-hmm. on expense? That's something to really think about. So, you know. Yep. I'm trying to look up what wonder. Oh, there he goes. Made $166 million worldwide in the box office. And that's including most of it coming foreign. (laughs) How much was the budget? Do you have the budget in there, John? Uh, Let me look. I'll look that up, that budget, real quick. Let's see if it has it here for me. Sorry. I am looking up on Box Office Mojo, which unfortunately... Did not give me that, but I'll find that information for you. Yeah, and even though it was at the time one of the most streamed things at HBO Max, uh, we really don't know what that meant for them. We know it was enough to get them greenlit, 200 million. So it's 200 million. So we know that the streaming numbers 
were enough to get it greenlit when it only made 166 million in the box office, but at one point was the most viewed on HBO Max, and they already greenlit a sequel. So, so we assume it made the money. So it had to. But... Have, it had to have made the money back, and then the thing mm-hmm. is, okay, now we'll shoot, and we won't have to worry about the pandemic, and by then, it'll be something totally and completely different. And again. It all goes back to just knowing how those metric works and everything like that. But I yep. think with, with Summer Box Office, now, you know, you've got a lot of stuff that's coming out. And the big thing is people are optimistic because they're saying, okay, um, Summer Box Office, it'll get back to a semblance of what it was pre-pandemic. So 2019, because 2020, mm-hmm. I mean, what wasn't really a lot. So, no. But it's still going to be well below how it was performing and the thing with summer box office is summer box office is what everybody looks forward to and yep. funny prior to 1977 summer box office actually was where you sent all the trash yep and until one one underwater creature came in no no that was in 75 the actually that was in 75 though that was jaws oh, this the, the yes the jaws was considered office, the first no summer blockbuster the summer first summer blockbuster was considered star wars because it came out and uh and it changed the face of uh of 70 of uh of summer box office too where from that point on everything that you wanted to make money went on summer box office mm-hmm. star wars and everything else it just changed in the 90s disney would put out their main animated work that as you know it would be every like every two years it would have something Mm -hmm. they had that magical run from like 89 to 94 that had uh little mermaid um beauty and the beast aladdin and then lion King. King. but you had stuff Mm -hmm. that was grossing 300 million dollars same thing with jurassic park summer movie Mm -hmm. so now it's like okay we still have that but but what is it gonna do? Are people like, you know, are are they like like us, where it's like I don't really find the need to leave, mm-hmm. or are they just dying to get the experience? And then with that, what's out there that will give us that desire to go out? You know what's yeah. what's in release? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and we should definitely look at that. And I remember saying in the last one, I said, it's really going to depend on those first couple of movies. Because I always assumed after the pandemic, everybody's been pent up. So I, mm-hmm. I always believed the first couple of big movies to come out were going to make money just because people are pent up and they want to go out, right? They're tired of being home. Uh, I totally get that. But my question always is, is once they've gone and now seen these movies, is it going to, are they going to keep coming as we used to do each summer? Each summer, another, every week, another big movie came out. Every week, there was a huge movie coming out vying for your money. People go weekly or bi weekly. There was a lot. The question is now, can that actually sustain itself? After someone sees those movies, are they going to go, oh, yeah, actually, I like that better being at home where I can just wait? Now, are they actually going to continually go to the movies as we used to? Uh, that's, I, I think that's going to be the most interesting question as the summer develops, right? Because we already have some movies and how they drop and how well they perform, but I'm wondering if that holdover will keep going. Now, I love Godzilla versus Kong, but it made more money than Godzilla versus um, 
uh, wait, Godzilla King of the Monsters, that's what it was called. Uh, it made more money than Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yes, it was a better movie, but was part of that that it was one of the first movies back in theaters? Or was it that you know, like people yeah, really wanted to? Or ask. was it because it was so big, right? Yeah. And but the, so that's but there's sorry. To, bringing up to what you just said, um, I just read here a quote from uh, Chris Aronson says, I can't be anything but cautiously optimistic. Um, Aronson is uh, among many in Hollywood who are pondering the pandemic's long-term, and you and I talked about this, long-term impact on movie going. We simply mm -hmm. don't know yet. Only time will tell. That is a very... That is not what you would hear in 2019 yep. or 2018. No. You were all gung-ho. Mm -hmm. They were all gung-ho. When, 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 the, when the summer movie season would come around, they were super gung-ho. Now it's like, I have to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah. What does that tell you? Yeah, and cause, and yeah, and so since we do this inside as filmmakers, and I know we're smaller, but that's the thing. No one has this magic bullet or magic uh, eye to know how everything's gonna end up, right? Uh, so everyone's cautiously optimistic. You saw all the movies getting pushed back for so long, which I'm surprised this summer how many are actually still pushed back technically. Uh, <laughs> that were already, they're done, they're in the can, they were supposed to be released in the past two years now, and they're yeah, still haven't been wasn't there. Wasn't Black Widow and um, the latest installment of uh, Kingsman, weren't those two of the ones that were supposed to be released over a year ago or longer? Yep. Ghostbusters has been done for a while now. The newest Ghostbusters has oh, been done. Oh, Resurrection, yeah, that's right. No, yeah, that one's been done. Yep, I think Ghostbusters Resurrection, Black Widow. These are movies that are in the can that they keep pushing back. Black Widow finally is getting released after almost, yeah, a year and a half of being delayed. And that is still Disney, like, we're going to take this chance. Like, <laughs> they're still not 100% sure of uh, with this bigger one. So it's... It's really interesting because things that I was so super excited to see before the pandemic hit, like Candyman, uh, the remake of Candyman, which again has been done, is finally coming out, but it's coming out in the tail end of summer because no one really knows how this summer is going back. So when we talk about these movies or we talk about movies, a lot of these movies have been done. They've been ready to go. Uh, they've been ready to go for a while. That makes me ask. Which is weird. They usually don't hold them back. Because when you're holding them back, you're not making money. You've already spent the money on these movies. These movies have spent all their money. But but then but then there's a problem too, which is is one that I think everyone needs to think about, and that is. So, if you're a Black Widow fan, and you saw the Black Widow trailer in theaters, which is obviously where you would have seen it, in 2019. Like, yeah, you're excited. <laughs> you're excited. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And you can't wait. Pandemic hits, you're not thinking about that. And then you're not no. hearing anything about Black Widow, so out of sight, out of mind. Same mm -hmm. thing with Kingsman. That was an epic trailer, if you're a Kingsman fan. Yep. Same thing. So yeah. you're looking at things that, you know, it's like, okay, what are we, you know, what, what can we do? to make you know bring some interest back into these particular films what can can we really do and now it seems like there's this idea that 
um, you know, films that come out of the box office might see streaming like 45 days after the fact, when in fact it would be months, um, you know, and, and even before that, years before you saw something on obviously first television and streaming and things mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, yep, the seeing this. The deal, I believe, used to be three months in theaters at like minimum. Usually three the to deals four. Were, yeah. Yeah, three to four months minimum at theaters before they could go anywhere else. So that change that really is hastened by the pandemic to even 30, 45 days is really short from where it used to be. Really short. There, yeah, there's just something less special about that. And the question is, can studios really walk that back to kind of bring back the old experience? Mm-hmm. Or is it just going to be a situation? And, you know, again, we, we talked about this. We wondered about this. Is it going to be a situation that, because I don't think theaters will ever die or go away, but, you know, is it something that's going to be able to, you know, and I think that the summer box office this year is going to be a good barometer of that. Yes. Um, and internationally, Fast 9 has made nearly $200 million, right? Yes. So, yes. you got nearly $200 million internationally. Everyone's feeling a greater level of comfort going to films and everything on an on a, on a international level because there's that newness about going back to theaters and everything but that feeling will eventually wear out so at this point how does that change you know and and i have to say this it comes to fast nine and a lot of these movie theaters for making money the country that is still driving that money is china uh (laughs) china is still the biggest for our movies going away fast nine uh, all these other movies, Godzilla vs. Kong, they're making money. They're making a lot of money in China. So we, we have to talk about that because that's just the... You, you can't talk about these films without talking about China, right? Absolutely. Uh, Fast Night alone made $136 million in China. <laughs> that's a loan they made in China. So that in, is In just crazy. a few days. That's the thing. Yeah, in just a few days. Yeah. So that's China alone. Uh, to see if that matches here in the U.S. is going to be very telling. Uh, a lot of Vin Diesel films, even the Triple uh, X, which again, there's another film that had momentum, but because of the pandemic, we've, they kind of fizzled. Uh, the Triple X series that got its momentum again because of China. Uh, they made a lot of money in China. Family. Money. <laughs> Family. Yeah, no, so uh, the question will be, especially, what, what I think is gonna be the most interesting thing is when HBO Max, after this year, stops doing the simultaneous screenings, you know? Because they said for this year they're going to do it, but next year they'll go to theaters first before HBO Max for Warner Brother movies. Uh, so the interesting thing is going to be whether or not like that hurts HBO Max and the theater. If the theaters don't go back up, like you know what I mean. If there's not more people going to the box office at that point for those movies, and their streaming service also lose money. That may get Warner Brothers to go. Uh, maybe we got we thought wrong. Maybe this entertainment release will be the correct. Well, and the thing is, though, too, you got to look at it like this. Um, this is an industry that works based on trends. So, mm-hmm. it's the most profitable trend that's obviously going to make the most sense and that's going to establish where everything's going to go. And I think that's why summer box office this year is going to be so important it's that first weekend performance 
it's that first few weeks performance if they're still making that because you have to understand the way it was laid out before it was like that first weekend in theaters always said the tone the tone for everything so mm-hmm. the thing is you know if you can if you can get i don't know 125 million dollar opening for fast 9 they're going to say okay we can definitely start pulling and then you know changing reworking our agreements with streaming services to where things are going to go back to the way they were but no one is saying that 100% so you have got to wonder just how much money they were making on streaming. That's and yeah. again we go, we go back to that question: how much does streaming make? And then at that point, if your biggest barometer for how your hit films that you're putting out essentially tells you, hey, there's not that much difference between what you're making on streaming and what you're making here, and you actually don't have to worry about theater rentals, and yes. you make more money long term. So all of a sudden, you might see a reduction on how many screens are rented. So, you know, that might significantly impact the theater business as a whole. And we discussed that before. It's yep. it's an interesting and thing. Just, yeah, and just a refresher, just in case anybody doesn't know. Um, when you're putting your movie in a movie theater, you do make a deal and a contract to rent those screens and put your movies on. And it's usually some sort of profit sharing. The theater gets a certain, a certain percentage of the sales. Um, and that fluctuates depending on how long the movie's in, how big it is, all this other stuff. There's a lot of stuff behind it, but essentially it's a profit sharing model. So they profit some of that uh, box office back. So when you look at box office numbers, from a studio perspective, you have to think about how much money you had to pay out to the theaters just to put them on there. You have to think about how much money you spent on advertising to get people in the theaters to put them on there. And all of that, when you see the budget of a movie, that only includes the actual filming budget. It does include the, you know, the cost, the profit sharing. It does include the marketing. It doesn't include all the extra stuff. It's just yeah, how much that's the thing. Make when you look at a budget and it says 175, let's let's look at the numbers really quickly. The budget says 175 million dollars. That 175 million dollars doesn't include what's called print and advertising. And print and advertising mm-hmm. could sometimes, you know, be. Um, a really significant number in addition to so yep. already a studio is looking at we're probably not going to be able to make this money um, based on the rentals that we've already got for screens you know it's going to play on 3,000 screens mm. it's not you know it's not necessarily going to make the money back then they're looking at licensing agreements and things like that um, mm-hmm. sometimes for a net profit to be gained, you have to look at the fact that, let's say a movie makes $750 million against a $250 million budget. Out of that $750 million, expenses are going to eat up about half of that exactly. for mm-hmm. the theater. Not for the theater, for the studio. Mm-hmm. So if the studio... Um, made x amount of dollars really their profit was between 100 and 120 million it wasn't the whole 750 million so as big and as impressive as those numbers look it's not as impressive for them when they're the ones that are having to write the checks and answer to a bigger parent company which is really the case of just about every studio now 
Um, and that's why often you would see what quote unquote low budget horror movies that people thought, how do they keep making all these very low overhead, very low expenses and costs for what you're getting in. So you may only put a budget of a million, maybe you advertise for another million or two, uh, you share some profit on screen, but it turns 20 million. Yes, it's not impressive of 750 million, but of that 20 million office, you probably get 15, you know, 14 million of it. You you got your biggest share. Yeah, so I it's mean, easier for you to crank those out because you're actually getting more money than having to spend a bunch of money for smaller share of the profit. The greatest, so. the greatest example of that would be my big fat Greek wedding, which when it first came out, nobody knew what it was, but it has such a lengthy release that eventually more theaters started asking for it but by the time that my big fat Greek wedding ended, what was considered a historic run, it had already made two hundred and seventy-five million dollars. It was a low-budget movie, but almost everything that it made was a profit because the level of advertising wasn't what you would see for like an Avengers or something to that effect. Uh, mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. really, you know, there's obviously the offshoot case like that. But again, you know, your barometer being the uh, the summer box office, with everyone being as cautious, you know, as yep. they are, you got to know that there's a change in there. Because, I mean, look, there are films like um, Spiral from the Book of Saw, which mm -hmm. people, are st people are talking about it. They're yep. talking Pushed about... It a billion dollar franchise. Exactly. Yeah. They're talking about mm -hmm. Cruella. They're talking about all these films, but they're not talking about it in the sense of, I can't wait until it comes out on theaters. Not necessarily. That's not the conversation that you hear. So we go back to summer box office and it's like, maybe you'll see something and maybe you won't. It's the first time in my life that I've seen such, I don't want to say indifference, that's not the right word. Um, but such basic, um, you know, looking at this and saying, I don't know if this will work. I don't know if it won't work. Like the summer box office has literally become an experiment right at the moment. So right now, Cruella this weekend, right. And, uh, we are of course recording this before this podcast came out, but at this point, in just case the number changes, uh, this weekend, it is at $21 million, which is Honestly, for a big Disney film out on over 3,892 screens is almost nothing. For Again, Disney's one of the biggest franchises and films in the world. They're dropping a film, which their films make money no matter what it is. It's made money. Like, Disney films make money. I'm just going to say that. Right. Uh, so when you see a release of only $21 million, as a studio, you're probably like, eh, was that worth it? Right. <laughs> well, the question was that. Worth? Well, the question that you have to ask again, it's it's this: Corella is available on streaming for thirty bucks, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got three thousand theaters. Uh, you were assuming that people were going to flock to it, so it's that because people are afraid because of the pandemic, or there was just not that much excitement, or because the advertising maybe wasn't the same the movie sort of fizzled out and could this happen to you know films like black widow could it happen mm. to kingsman that's a question to ask 
and especially this weekend, which is Memorial Day weekend, which Memorial Day weekend historically is a very big weekend. You can Massive. think of uh, Independence Day if you Massive. heard it or any of these yeah. other Massive weekend. You spec over a three-day weekend to make huge amounts of money over them. So it's, it's not uncommon to have 90 million, 100 million, you know, over Memorial Day weekend. So that's not uncommon, making a lot of money. And of course, we're all tampering our expectations. But even the fact that Cruella is in almost 4,000 theaters shows you kind of the push Disney is for normalcy, right? So it's, that's a lot of, that's an average pre-pandemic. That's about as much as it would be in pre-pandemic theaters. Uh, honestly, that amount of screening, that's the same. That's 21, million, $21 million was considered a hit in the 90s, but we're not in the 90s. So nope. $21 million is an absolute disappointment. But again, it goes back yep. to, you know, is are we at that point yet where we can say, man, I cannot wait till summer movie season? Or, you know, has, has the pandemic really basically rotted the experience to where now the wheel has to be reinvented to go back to being the same way that it was years ago? It's, it's a fair question to ask. Yeah, and, and it is a fair question. And again, I'm not saying Cruella is a bad movie. This is not what I'm saying. No, that's not. <laughs> that's not the point. I, I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Yeah. I'm just saying it, ha it does have a budget of $100 million. And so because we don't really, again, get what Disney said, Disney's not going to tell us how much it made on Disney+. Plus. They're not going to say this X amount of people did it. That's, we're just not going to know that. So that's just going to be, you know, kind of mystique at this point, and we're gonna have to infer by whether they go, yeah, Cruella will make a sequel or something else will happen, we'll infer from that. But honestly, we won't know unless Disney decides to release it. So at that point, when you look at that, they probably were, I'm gonna guess they were probably hoping for around probably a 40 million opening weekend. I would say that's probably what they would think, even conservative. I think 21 is down from what would usually be, even the pandemic. I, I think that they were probably hoping for forty million. That's a conjecture. I I, I see. Even because that's a conservative number with pandemic and down, with the amount of theaters, I think 40, 40 million on opening weekend yeah, but, is probably. But you got to but but think about if they were thinking about something like that. Why, in the literal hell, would they have that many screens rented? See, that's the thing. You can think about. If it's on Disney Plus and you're renting it for $30, Disney Plus has record-shattering subscriptions. They really rolled that out well. Yeah. Insane. Mm -hmm. They blew everybody out of the water. So, uh, what's what's the number of subscribers that they have? Do you know off the bat? Like, is there... I know it's more... It's either close or more than Netflix. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I'm looking up the subscribers. Uh, it's... 100 million subscribers 100 million subscribers not not a lot mm -hmm. um <laughs> so you gotta think if if about a quarter of those subscribers were looking forward to cruella and were paying the 30 bucks for cruella not even a, a quarter of them but let, let's say let's say conservative 13 mm -hmm. million subscribers paid an additional 390 million dollars based on the 30 dollar price point to watch Cruella. So they've already made their money. We don't know that, mm -hmm. though. Yeah. However, question remains, why would you, you know, at this point, 
rent that many theaters. You know what I'm saying? That's like a that's 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 like a crazy high number of theaters because I don't even think Wonder Woman had that many theaters and they and that was a big thing. Yeah, I it's it's the most amount of theaters than any movie that came out, Quiet Place even, Spiral Rapid. It's more theaters than anybody's playing. So they're playing everywhere basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and another thing about streaming, because when we're talking about the streamer box office and what makes sense, kind of, is remember in streaming, they don't have to share the profits with the theater, okay? No. The streaming profits are their profits. That's it. Uh <laughs> so, so do you think then that they're trying to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. In our profit structure, we already have or are keenly aware of the fact that we're going to get like $400 million for Cruella. And it's going to mm. be a massive hit, Okay. But then, you know, we'll have a nice write-off for not making our money back on theaters, you know? It, it's almost well, like, like you got to think that that's, there's, there's got to be some of that going on there. You can write it off. It's like, yeah, you know, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Not I really think, enough. honestly, it's the money motivator. I think they would love if Cruella made a billion dollars like Beauty and the Beast, you know, or anything of their live-action mm -hmm. one. They came out and makes a billion dollars. I don't think any streaming movie is going to make you a billion dollars like a film and theater does. I, I don't think it does. And I know theaters help you also branding and get things out more. There's a lot more that goes to releasing a movie in a theater than just pure revenue to get in people's minds. But so I know the, the concept of theater is going to make you more overall money probably than putting it in streaming. But the question is, if you don't have to advertise as much, if you don't have to profit, you know, profit share as much, if you don't have to do all that extra expenditures and your margins are almost the same, eh, you know wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because let's break this down. I have a $100 million film and I'm spending an additional 100 in um, advertising, uh, print and advertising and all that stuff. That's $200 million expenditure. Yes. For me to break even, I might need a, at least a minimum of $400 million worldwide. Because if you hear films that have made $500 million worldwide, $300 million worldwide, like Solo was considered a failure, even though it drew yep. massive numbers. But it was considered a failure because it didn't meet box office expectation. So I have to make $400 million to break even. I yep. now have Disney+. Plus. I'm, a, I'm spending $100 million to make the film, but I know full well that I'm going to get basically $300 million back when off of four, five, six hundred million, I might just be breaking even. But it's mm -hmm. the thing that they're not going to tell you because, like you said, it is the money, money motivator. So while I'm secretly making way more in streaming, right? Because it's mm. my streaming, it's my proprietary stream. I'm, you know, looking at adding an additional 100 million in the box office, which is just all of a sudden not as important as it used to be to me. Yes. Because I have 100 yes. million people, all of whom go see films, all right? Mm -hmm. All of whom are also subscribing to my network. <laughs> so... I, I think there's that discovery where it's like we don't completely want to do away with the movie going experience but all of a sudden it's less and less important to make a profit 
in the box office than it used to be before because it's not key to the survival of the studio. Do you think, as Netflix has done with Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, uh, we talked about it a little last week, they did uh, release it in some theaters. Hmm. Are theaters going to become this place now to be the place to see movies if you don't subscribe? Hey, man, we'll just put it out on theaters. They'll make money, but that's not our, like, main focus. You know, make money in movies. That's not our main focus. It's for the people who don't subscribe, and maybe if they see it in theaters, they will subscribe. Like, you know, if you saw Cruella in theater, you're like, I like this. Maybe I should sign up for more Disney stuff. Because the people watching Disney+, Plus, they'll just pay $30 on Cruella. You make your money. You ain't got to worry about them. You're catering to them and giving them stuff and just releasing this stuff for traditionalists and to bring you more subscribers. I think there's, I think there's definitely going to be a, like a, symbio, a symbiosis there. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, theaters are going to survive. Yeah. But it's not going to be mm-hmm. the same because there's ways no. now to make the same or greater net profit. Of course, if you're within your own proprietary service, which Disney is, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. However, with many more streaming services creating their own, um, their own stuff, you know, their own their own content. I or mean, dude, Roku, Amazon just bought MGM. Roku, Roku. Basically, I I was watching this the other day, just literally on my Roku, and I just happened to see Roku has brought back oh. a whole bunch of shows that they're producing like uh, producing like Reno 911 that's Quibi shows actually they brought all of Quibi's content and brought them into the but Roku now channel. yeah exactly and but, now Roku, but now Roku yeah. is essentially branching out into this massive operation where they have you know the Roku in Roku you can watch like all the classic TV but then you can watch all mm-hmm. the newer shows. That one with uh, with Kevin Hart and John Travolta, which looks hilarious. Where Kevin yeah, Hart... they're gonna start producing their own content. Roku's gonna now the Roku. They're channel all doing it. Own. That's the thing. Like Tubi's Thanks. doing mm-hmm. that. It's starting to do that. Like everybody's starting to do that. And to answer your question, yeah, there's going to be a place for theaters, but they're gonna be secondary, and that's because. In trying to figure out how to survive, people didn't learn how to survive business-wise. They learned how to thrive. Mm. <laughs> We're thriving yeah. on streaming. Everything changed. Yeah. Everything. And I really, I think what Amazon bought MGM Studios, um, which is huge, um, you know, it's part of this thing of, well, Amazon is only looking to buy these major studios for their Amazon Prime. They're not really looking for Well, they just, theater. they bought, you know, they Amazon bought. doesn't. They bought thousands of more hours of, of, you know, of content because that's what MGM has to offer. And that's a funny thing that you should bring up MGM because MGM, MGM ceased to be an actual production studio years ago. And then it started bouncing around like Ted Turner, Ted Turner owned it for a little while. Then Disney owned rights to it for a little while. Now Amazon has it, and that means that they could take and conceivably put together an entire new streaming service just based on what they're buying. Mm -hmm. Insane how everything just comes back to streaming. (laughs) Yeah. It's insane, man. Yeah, because the people who are buying content and want, they're not necessarily even these studios or productions. Even when Warner Media and AT&T, you know how they're 
branching Merging, off some of the yeah, doing this animated. Stuff, yeah. yeah, they're not necessarily concerned about box office as much this more. And so when I know this conversation shifted, but when we look at box office, look at these numbers, we're trying to figure out where's this place for the summer box office. Uh, so I think we're going to have to do a whole nother episode talking about our movies and previews because we never got to those. <laughs> but, it, but John, but you're right. But why did we shift? We shifted because at this, at, at this point in time, the summer box office, if we, if we, if we want to talk about summer box office, and all of the all of the cool films and everything that are supposed to come out, that's one thing. But if you want to talk about summer box office numbers, it's not a barometer anymore. It stopped being a barometer, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, but convince me that it is. That, you know, it's only a barometer for survival. How is this going to survive? Yeah. How is this going to move forward? And that's vastly different than when it was in 2019. And I think that's yep. where where you really get to see what we talked about how we were affected by the pandemic here's yep. your result yep. proof positive no, so and i agree and a uh, quiet place part two which is the biggest movie so far this memorial day weekend which domestically has already made 48 million dollars at the time of this recording which is huge the budget's 61 million so they're on the way to you know surpassing that budget, especially globally they'll be on that way but paramount also has paramount plus at one point they're going to be looking and saying if we did the Disney model and release Quiet Place 2 for $30 on Paramount Plus without sharing any of the profits, without having to advertise, without having to do any of this, would we have made that same amount of money and or more? And let me ask That's you a question. That's going to be question going forward. One last question that I want to ask. How much do you spend in a movie theater when... Um, you and your partner go to a movie theater to watch a movie just off the bat give me a flat number it has to be over i know it's over 50 dollars because i buy tickets popcorns we both get ices and then like a candy that's over 50 dollars 50 60 dollars period right. it's over that right right yeah it's over that so and that's that's base and it depends if i like depending on this show if i go to an imax theater or something else i'm spending 80 to 100 period so to see one of those. a math wizard Mm -hmm. sat in their home somewhere in probably LA or somewhere like that and said yeah if we're spending $30 per person mm -hmm. okay we can charge them that they'll pay it because they want to see this mm -hmm. stuff and they think they'll think they're saving because they're buying their popcorn you are to a degree Please. but you know, because they're buying the popcorn at home and it's cheaper and stuff like that. But the ticket is only worth $12. Yeah. So two tickets are only worth $12. So they're looking at selling two and a half tickets and getting some of that extra money back. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Great. Great. And they actually know, and I think Disney was very smart to know to spend $30 as a family-oriented unit, people think about that. Well, paying for me and my two kids and all the snacks, I have to spend X amount of money, right? But now I'll just spend $30 on Disney Plus to watch it. And then I have to keep Disney Plus because my kids love it. They're going to watch it later. So they've gotten the $30 and the monthly subscription that the parents will never lose because families will always think they're getting a good deal on Disney Plus. They will always uh, think they're exactly. getting a good deal. And really in any one of them now. That's the thing, you know? Yep. 
So, hey, man, power to them. Summer, yep, power it's to like, them. So. It's, it's like they, they basically took summer box office and said, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to crap all over that. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, of course, if the numbers change, before we get out of here, I let you, if the numbers change, and we'll probably do another podcast at the end of the summer, we'll do another view and see how the summer went. Because, again, we're conjecturing as theater heads and everybody else are, depending on what the numbers have been, right? So who knows? Maybe Black Widow comes out and it makes a billion dollars and all the studios go, nope, throw all these plans out. Theaters are back where it's at because we're making way more money in theaters. They'll do that, right? But if they're not making as much money, they'll switch really, it up to, John, but my as you said, trends. Do you really mm-hmm. see that happening, though? Because I honestly, and this is just my own personal opinion, but I honestly do not. I think it's going to have to be something earth-shattering to really mm-hmm. change things. And I, anything that's on the horizon right now, I just don't see it happening, honestly. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think exactly what you said, momentum. I think a lot of these big movies that they held back so long, I do think they lost momentum. A lot. Of I it. was very excited to see a Black Widow movie like two years ago, but now I honestly don't care and can wait. The only I've seen WandaVision back in the winter soldier it could have just been a disney plus show i don't really feel the, the need that thing, i have to and see it the only thing to be honest with you and this is this really the only thing that i'm that i'm actually interested in still watching and it's because it's old school and it just represents a big part of my childhood as i'm sure it does yours is ghostbusters that's mm-hmm. it that's it yeah there's and, but and i can also wait to see it at home <laughs> that also that's what i meant like out of all those films it's like that's the one that i really want to see but i can also see it at home so that i would pay the 30 dollars for and i still don't have to move out of my house for anything yeah yeah I, and and i really think you said the momentum of some of these movies they may have hurt them so we'll see uh because i i think you're right there i think momentum has lost a lot of steam for a lot of these movies and then that and then the trending if it trends that these numbers are still down with the U.S. And I know international people are talking about the U.S. With the U.S. being mostly open and are still, we're not domestically recovering from where we were. Uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing. I think Cruella, more than The Quiet Place, for this Memorial Weekend is the movie to look at. Because it is from Disney. It is the big Disney picture with, you know, in you know f- almost 4,000 theaters. I know it's a little below, but almost 4,000 theaters. Lot, biggest yeah. release. What is that metrics? And if Cruella doesn't do as well in box office, I think that will mean a lot for Disney too. Uh, and then Black Widow will cement it. Black Absolutely. Widow will cement their strategy going forward. Saying Cruella is like the test, right? Cruella is the test. And then, uh, you know, that will be the ultimately baromic measure. Exactly. I think so too. Um, John? So we're going to do another podcast next week everyone we're gonna go over the movies that are actually coming out this summer and what we think about it we wanted to include that in this one but obviously we just ran out of time i hope you enjoyed this talk i did i love i i same here man i i love it's just the business end and again um you know for everyone trying to get in or getting in or whatever uh know the business and know the business well it's one of the most important things because you're never going to succeed at something if you don't know what two plus two equals out to and (laughs) and that's not a matrix that's legitimate actual um thought processes so you know put your namaste to the side (laughs) yep 
And when you're trying to get funding, we have Vivian here talking about distribution, but when you're trying to get funding and everything else, you do need to know what studios are looking at, what they're thinking, what this business is about release strategies and everything. If you don't know what they're looking for, you may pitch them something that doesn't make sense to them and they'll laugh you out the window. But if you're pitching something that someone, a studio actually needs, they'll lap it up and want you. So you need to know not only your art and not only who's viewing your films, but also the people who be buying it and producing it as well. Exactly. Right. Mundo. You need to know as well. So, right. all right. So join us next week on Cinemagic. We're going to go over all the summer blockbusters, tell you some of our favorites. Maybe they've already passed. Maybe they've not. Come back. Listen up. Uh, as always, my greatest, greatest co-host over here, Rick Acevedo. Anything you want to plug to him before we go? Um, if you haven't watched our content on Tubi or Canela TV uh, or Simpicum, uh Do Ya, then by all means, please watch it. Uh, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, there's boys nothing on and the searching for Beauty yeah, Polly. Yeah, I mean, boys school and the uh, and searching for Beauty Polly. Um, I haven't really watched anything honestly that uh, that I would say blew me away, with the exception of maybe the voices with Ryan Reynolds, but that's from like six years ago. Yeah. So that's a good one. I yeah, I would I would say check that out. It's it's uh, funny and disturbing at the same time. So check it out, you know? Check that out. Stay here for you, watch our content. For me, I've had little nieces and nephews and cousins in town, and I've been re-watching MODOK with my partner, because she didn't watch it, I watched it by myself, and she's enjoying it. So there's another one to watch MODOK. MODOK. <laughs> Big butts will save the world. <laughs> Big thighs. Uh <laughs> Uh, Modoc loves like that. So uh, <laughs> that's it. All right. So here for Cena Magic. We'll see you next week with our big summer box, box not summer box office, summer movie preview. All right. Bye for Cena Magic. Bye bye.